Uh, we're in the book of Nehemiah, and we are going to be jumping into chapter 4 here today. So if you're ready, say ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we get ready to eat from your word right this moment, Lord, we acknowledge, we acknowledge our neediness. God, we're, we're, we're a needy people today in the, in the best way. We need your word. We need your voice. We, we need your truth. We need your spirit. Open our heart. Open our mind. God, let this be a profitable service for us online, in person. That, God, we would catch something from your word today that would change our lives that you would deliver a message even through me here today that I would fade into the background, but your word would become so clear and big that, Jesus, we would walk out of this cafeteria room bragging on Jesus. Lord, help us to see you better through this message here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we are in Nehemiah chapter 4. We've been working our way through this book and... Um, I've been, I've been thoroughly enjoying this time with you all. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, let me make sure I'm there, okay? I'm there. Nehemiah chapter 4. Let's just go ahead and read the first few verses here in the text. Let's just go ahead and start it off. Um, now, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry. And greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews and he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, yeah. That's how I heard him. <laughs> yeah, tell him. <laughs> Sorry, my mind is so wild when I read, yeah, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Good dis, Tobiah. Hear, O oh, our God, for we are despised. Turn back, their, mm, turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not... Cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. We'll just go ahead and pause right there. I, I want to preach a message to you this morning that I'm titling, How to Respond to Haters. How to Respond to Haters. Hopefully this is a message that will be profitable and practical for everybody that's in the room here today. Um, all of us, in some way or another, have some haters in our lives um, you, you have some haters in your life. I'm just going to go ahead and remind you of a couple just, just right off the bat, all right? Let me go ahead and define what a hater is by uh, definition, okay? I'll give you just a couple definitions here. I just took the first two that I found, Oxford and Webster's. Uh, defines hater as a person who greatly dislikes a specific person or thing. So it's probably somebody out in the world. I know that you're awesome. You're awesome.com, all right? You type that in and you pop up, but there's probably some person who just dislikes you or something that you do. Um, an informal way of, of hater, as far as the definition, is a negative or critical person. 
Anybody know any people that got the spiritual gift of criticism? Hopefully it's not you, because maybe you're like, yeah, man, I'm just getting critical of this message right now, right? <laughs> this is a message for you. Uh, it's a message for, for us. It's a message for us. Um, and I want to really look at that and help us try to learn how to deal with situations like this. Uh, Brandon Wade just talked about communion uh, here, and he was emphasizing how Communion is first for the devil, amen? amen. Right, because today you might say, I don't really have any haters, but the truth is you have a big hater. <laughs> don't miss the fact that there's a spiritual demonic force that hates you, that greatly dislikes you, that, that, that is negative and critical of you. D don't miss that. Don't miss that, that, that he would love to destroy what you are doing. And I want to just encourage you today. I'm going to give you some, tick, some tips, some, some tactics to rage war against him, all right? I, I want to remind you quickly of some of the things that we learned in the first week of going through Nehemiah. And that is that when you set out to do something great, and you can see it up here on the, on the curtain, it says, just go for it says, just go for it, right? When you set out to do something great, here's what you can expect. Number one, you can expect God's provision. And number two, you can expect the world's persecution. So we talk about this topic. Here's what I want you to, to be reminded of. Just giving you the outset. Nehemiah, he, he decides, I'm gonna go do something great. Nehemiah has this God burden. Nehemiah has this vision, right? Nehemiah says, I'm gonna go back to my hometown and I'm gonna start building something. I can't just stay in the place that I was at. I'm not going backwards. Nehemiah says, I'm going forwards and God has a, a, a purpose for me there. And Nehemiah sets out and he says, you know what? God's gonna provide and the world's gonna persecute. <laughs> Another reason why I say this is because I think that there's a facade Christianity that's uh, being pushed and propagated from pastors or televangelists that don't really understand the word of God that says, hey, if you sign up to be a Christian, that your life is just gonna be so peachy and great. You're gonna be skipping through the field. You're gonna just be like, oh, I'm just, everything's beautiful. And I'm in this playground of life. But the Bible would teach us that we're not in a playground. We're in a battleground. That when you say yes to the Lord, you enter into the war that exists between the world and the word. That exists between the spirit of God and this flesh. Oh, who will save me from this body of sin and death? Praise be to God. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ who does. And so, again, I just want to remind you. When you just go for it, whatever it is, maybe today you say, you know, I'm just going to go for it. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to put my faith in him. I'm going to sign up on a connection card. I receive Christ. I'm a new creation. Expect God to provide. He's Jaira. Yeah. Expect for the enemy to get mad. He's a hater. So, so we all have some haters, but no, nothing less than the devil and his demonic forces himself. And so I just want to give you just some, some tips. We've been looking at Nehemiah. We've been, we've been putting a microscope on Nehemiah and saying, okay, Nehemiah, help us be better leaders. Help us be better disciples. What can we learn from this kingdom man 
on how to be the men and women God's called us to be, in this case, in the context of haters, all right? Number one, everybody say number one. Number one, pray for them. Pray for them. How do we respond to haters? We pray for them. Come on, everybody say it with me. We pray for them. I want, I want you to hold yourself accountable because you just said that. And don't we too often do this? Don't we too often say, I'm gonna pray for you. And then we forget even who we said that to. I think I was supposed to pray for somebody. I probably told that, I probably, put, I probably commented on a post and said, I'm praying. But make sure that you have integrity in your prayers, amen? How to respond to haters? Number one, pray for them. I want us to look at the text one more time. Nehemiah chapter four. Let's just go ahead and start in, in, in verse one. Right? At this moment, Nehemiah has really started to do the thing that God called him to do. He's, he's back. He's in his hometown. He's funded. He has the papers. He has all the work. He's doing what God's called him to do. And he even sets out the whole team. Chapter three, everybody's repairing. Everybody's preparing. And here's what happens. Chapter four, verse one. Now, when Samballot heard that they were building the wall... Do something so great that the enemy hears about it, right? Like, do, do something that makes the enemy get up and say, I don't like that. <laughs> Building the wall. He was angry and greatly enraged. Super haters. He jeered at the Jews. The word jeered means to taunt or to mock or to make fun of. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria. Like, you know, haters love to talk, amen? Haters love to get everybody up. Haters are gossipers, slanderers. They like to tell everybody else about somebody but never say it to the actual person. It's like, why don't you say this to Nehemiah? He's like, he's like yo, I want to go ahead and tell my, tell my brothers and I want to tell the army of Samaria. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Keeps going. Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? And then, you know, the, a secondary hater pops up, Tobiah the Ammonite. He was beside him. He said, yeah, what they are building, if foxes go up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Right, Tobiah's like... The, they're, they're building this wall. They're repairing these walls. And basically, Tobiah's like, yeah, they're, they're, they're weak. They're feeble walls. They're just going to get broken down. <clears throat> what happens next in verse 4 is Nehemiah jumps right into prayer. I love here in verse 4 that it shows us. Listen to me, church. It shows us that Nehemiah, for him, prayer was not the last resort. It was the first response. For Nehemiah, he doesn't go, all right, let me send them a DM. Let me, let me, let me put, post a subtweet. Let me, let, me, let me go ahead and, and tell them how bad they are. Let me tell them how sinful they are. Let me tell them, you're going to hell. But no, no. Nehemiah says, I'm going to God. The first response to haters is to pray for them. Here. Oh, our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Hey, you can take all that frustration and all that anger towards somebody or something and tell God about it, amen? Like, I don't know if God will answer this prayer or not, but at least you, God's a safe place. 
in prayer that you can just be real and open with God. Nehemiah's like, God, turn it back on their own heads. Give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Jeez. Deep prayer. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Nehemiah goes, God, I know that you called me to do this work. Nehemiah goes, I'm confident in my calling. I'm confident that I'm just going for it. I'm confident in my marriage. I'm confident in my church. I'm confident in my faith. And people are working against what you've called me to do. And so Nehemiah is saying, when you mess with the church, when you mess with the just go for it moments, you mess with the God who called it. Amen? Like, be reminded that we, brothers and sisters, are the body and bride of Christ. Like, if you ever want to, like, offend a man, say something negative about his body. <laughs> or a woman, I guess, even to the extreme, maybe. <laughs> when you talk about somebody's body, it's offensive. We are the body of Christ. So, so you just know, when, when haters are arising against us, the church, Jesus takes it personal. If you want to anger a married man, say something negative about his wife, right? <laughs> Jesus doesn't like when the church is being talked about in a negative way. This is his bride, right? So Nehemiah rightly prays. He goes, Lord, this has provoked you to anger because they're messing with us, your people. You see this in the book of Acts. One of the most fascinating passages is when the apostle Paul, right, gets saved. The apostle Paul, he is persecuting Christians. At that time, his name was Saul. He actually has one of the first ever men of God that was a deacon, Stephen, stoned to death. And Jesus appears to him in a light and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who is this? As if, who are you? And Jesus says, it's the Lord, Jesus. And Saul has this moment where he realizes, Oh, me persecuting your body is persecuting you. Jesus identifies with the church, amen? amen. One of the reasons why we love the church is because Jesus loves the church. I'm even just gonna put that out there as like a warning to you here in this room. Like, and I don't want it to feel like super heavy or cold, but it's just a warning to you in love that be careful when you leave these places and you talk negatively about the church. Like, I, I know that the church is filled with people that have problems. Praise God. I'm grateful that this, per, this, this is a hospital, isn't it? Can sick people not come in here and find hope and healing and freedom? We're, we're, we're passionate about freedom. You have to realize that you are a slave to sin and brokenness and religion and whatever it may be in order to finally become free. A lot of people are thinking they're free and they're not free. My point is this, I've just heard so much chitter and chatter in the world or even in the church that's hating on the church. And we're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. This, this provokes the Lord to anger. I just wanna encourage you one more time from the word of God, from Nehemiah. Brother, sister, when people are hating on you, family members, somebody in the world, somebody at your job, somebody at your school, somebody on your team, it's a cue 
pray for them. Like, like really pray for them. And, and, and you can even pray a real and authentic prayer. Lord, I pray that you would show them. I pray that you would teach them, God. God, I pray that you would reveal to them what they need to see. This is what Jesus taught his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter five, we see Jesus communicating this lesson to his people, those who were there with him. Jesus talks about it in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So they're pulling a verse from Moses. And Jesus is actually saying, no, you missed the heart of it. Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See how Jesus flipped the script? Literally. Like we would love to grab a verse like this and put it in our pocket and then hit people with it. I love my neighbors. I hate y'all. Hate, 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 hate. And Jesus is like, not anymore. That's not how we roll. He says actually something wild, something bizarre, something radical. I can't figure out why Jesus said it, but I trust him. Jesus draws the lines for us, doesn't he? Like the world says, hate your enemies. Jesus says, I'm drawing a new line, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Now you would say today, I don't think I can do that. And, and I'm gonna say this every single week, you can't. He can. That's why Jesus, I love the tag team illustration. I just see Jesus always just like tag me in. Jesus is praying for persecutors and enemies. Jesus is dying for those who are stabbing him with the spear. Jesus is paying for our sins even before we're alive. Before the foundations of the earth, he loved you. Praise God that this is us. We're, we find ourselves in the persecuted enemy verses. And Jesus says, I'm, I'm praying for you. I love you. I'm dying for you. I'm providing the solution. So flip the script. Church, hear me. If you're, if, if you're listening, say, I'm listening. All right, sweet. We need to do better. I'm not talking to every single church. I'm just talking to our church. Church, we need to do better at this. Because if you really start to live out your faith, it's a big if. If you don't live out your faith, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to hate. The enemy will leave you alone because you're not a threat to his power. The enemy will say, hey, look, you're going to go ahead and just have a comfortable life all the way to hell. You're good. I'll see you in eternity. You're good. I'm, I'm going I'm to actually mess around with the people that are threats. Even God himself in the Old Testament, very bizarre verse, the Lord looks at the devil and says, have you considered my guy Job? Because that's a righteous dude. And what does the devil do? I'll get him. Go straight to Job's residence. Starts to turn up the temptation and the persecution and uses his own family members and friends. When haters hate, let the church pray. And, and can I just show you really quick here in the Nehemiah chapter one one more time, or chapter, chapter four one more time? Like, the thing that I want you to see as we jump down to verse four, it doesn't, I want you to see the, the abruptness of Nehemiah. It doesn't say 
there's no like no break in the text. It doesn't even say Nehemiah pray. It just he just goes into his prayer. It doesn't say Nehemiah goes, I'm gonna see you Wednesday night at the prayer gathering, because that's when I pray. I'm glad that Nehemiah doesn't say, okay, I'm gonna, I gotta have a prayer meeting right now. Not that we're against prayer meetings, we love prayer meetings. I'm saying, don't wait. Go to God. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, he says that we should pray without ceasing. That we should have this ever-flowing, ongoing communication line with God. Pray for him. Pray for him. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for your enemies. Last week I talked about repairing relationships. A great place to start in repairing is by praying. I once heard this guy named Daniel Henderson uh, preach this message. He, he, he said it like this. He said, we should talk to people about God, but we should first talk to God about people. It's just a, a great reminder. That has to do with evangelism, of course, right? Maybe you're thinking, I want to share the gospel with somebody. I'm praying about how to do that. But even if, you're, even if you've got somebody that's hating on you, Talk to God about them. Isn't God big enough, amen? Isn't God strong enough? Isn't God powerful enough to fight your battles? Check, check him into the game. I want to encourage you, encourage you with that word. We, we see that here in the chapter. We see Nehemiah goes straight to prayer. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their tongue. Do not cover their guilt. They have provoked you to, to anger. Let's keep on going to verse six. Verse six, Nehemiah comes up out of the prayer. So we built the wall. Can I give you the second point of the sermon here today? Here's how we respond to haters. Keep building, amen? Keep building. Point number one, pray for them. But don't give the fake, I'm gonna pray for you. Because sometimes that's, that can come off as prideful. I'm going to pray for you. You better do it. And maybe we should say it with a little bit more brokenness and a little less pridefulness. Because that can come off as self-righteous. But, but, but I'm saying that's an accurate response. We should go to prayer in brokenness. But number two, we got to keep building. Haters are going to hate. It doesn't mean we got to stop building. You gotta just go for it. On this journey of just going for it. The devil is going to roar. The enemy is going to try to confuse and set up traps and try to cause division and disrupt the plan that God has for your life. Brother, sister, keep building. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, keep building. Keep building. Come on, hit the other side, hit the other side. Keep building, keep building, keep building. Online, keep building. In the chat, keep building. I love this about Nehemiah. He hears these taunts. And mind you, Sanballat and Tobiah are influential leaders. Sanballat is the commander of the army of Samaria. He's not just some random dude who's just saying things negative about Nehemiah. He has influence. He actually looks at the army and he says, these guys are trying to mess up our plan. And I wonder what the army was thinking, right? And then you have Tobiah who's like, yeah, he was a commander in his own world, right? 
And so you see Nehemiah, at any moment, he could have fallen into the fear of the enemy and said, all right, look, guys, I don't think we should keep going. Let's stop repairing. In fact, I still got my job back with King Artaxerxes, and it was a whole lot easier than this. I'm, I'm throwing in the towel. I love Nehemiah. He keeps on building, doesn't he? Come on, look at verse six with me. It says, so we built the wall and all the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. The people had a certain type of mindset, amen? This is a good verse for us here today, church. Let's level up our thinking. Let's level up our mindset. Let's, let's get a mindset that says, I'm ready to do the work. I, I, wanna, I, wanna put, I wanna put the work in. I wanna go for it. Pray for him. Keep building. Maybe if you, if you can remember these two phrases from the sermon today. What, what, what did you get from the sermon? I got this. I need to pray for my enemies. I'm gonna pray for my haters, and I just gotta stay focused on the task. The thing that God's called me to do for some of y'all, it's just to finish high school. You'll glorify God. Some of you, maybe you're working on a project. Maybe last week you got that word, right? That word was to repair something in your house, and you're on this journey of repairing. Hey, just keep going for it. Amen? Maybe you're working on repairing a relationship. Maybe you're not quite ready to get saved, but you're thinking about it today. Maybe you're thinking about baptism. You're thinking about going to a group. You're thinking about tithing. You're thinking about being the leader God's called you to be. Just go for it. Keep building. You don't gotta do it all today, but just keep building. Nehemiah says, I'm not, I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna, I got somewhere to go. The, the haters is part of the journey, isn't it? And can I just say this as a subpoint that 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 goes with the first couple couple points? Um, don't argue with the enemy. Someone had to clap for that. I, I feel you, Coach Jermone. Right? Like on this journey, like look, Nehemiah is very practical. I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to build. Some of some of us we sometimes read this word, and we're like, so. Nehemiah argued day and night with the persecutors. With the, there's not a single part in this chapter that I'm reading about where Nehemiah says a word to any of these people. Nehemiah's saying it to God, and he's got his hand on the plow. I, I heard it put once, I believe it was from George Herbert, the philosopher, who said, the greatest revenge is to do well. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep growing. The enemies are going to hate it. I'm not going to give any energy to my haters because they're hating. We see this in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs all over the place talks about this reality. There, there's a proverb that says uh, to not argue with a fool lest you become like him yourself. Right? Let's read it together. Somebody, somebody fell asleep. Come on, let's go and read it together. Verse four, let's read it out loud. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him yourself. Be careful not to fall into the trap of the haters because sometimes haters are just trying to get you to react. Haters are chirping. Haters are hating. Haters are 
posting. Haters are at your door, on your feed, in your, at the stoplight next to you. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Be careful not to fall into the trap of joining them in their foolish hating. Sometimes you'll be like, hmm, should I answer? Should I not answer? Should I not answer? Should I answer? Hey, remember this sermon. Go to God. When in doubt, leave it out. Right? I really would love to just come back at you sharply, quickly. Uh, that might be exactly what the person wants you to do. And then, who's the fool? I once heard a, a statement that says, be careful not to answer a fool according to their foolishness because someone might walk by and think you were a pair. <laughs> Suzanne like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There, 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 there's some reality in that. And so it's okay to be able to say, you know what? Unfollow. It's okay to be able to say, you know what? I'm not gonna dispense my words and my energy towards something that's not gonna give it back. And, and listen to me here, listen to me. This applies to the devil too. Anybody ever heard this before? Satan, I bind you. What? Honestly. Do you think the devil cares? I stopped talking to the devil a long time ago. I'm not going to give the devil my energy. The devil likely is not even here. There's probably a lot of demonic forces. Like the devil's not omnipresent, omniscient, omnipowerful. The devil's a created being. He's not God. The devil. The devil's probably tasked a lot of demonic forces into America. The devil might be over in Europe somewhere right now, causing up trouble. I don't know where he's at, but here's what I'm, here's what I'm telling you. I'm not going to communicate too much with the enemy. Satan, we bind you, and Satan, we, like, the truth is Satan's more powerful than you, unless you show up with Christ. You know, what, you know when Satan gets weak? When the church prays, when the church says, you know what, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to invite and ask him to fight my battles for me, the devil flees. That's the biblical word, flees. Let me show it to you. James chapter four. Jesus, brother James says, submit yourself therefore to God, right? That's step one. Pray for him. Amen. Are y'all tracking with me? Submit yourself to God. You got it. It takes humility to say, God, I'm going to submit myself to you right now. I'm, I'm submit. I'm, I'm going to walk in submission to you, God. I'm not going to submit to my flesh. I'm not going to submit to the world. I'm not going to submit to the enemy. I'm submitted to you, God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you know that you could resist without saying a word? Thank you for that yes. I mean, let me highlight, like, resist. everybody say resist. resist. We got to be a great church with great resistance of the enemy, of the devil. The, I think I got a definition for the word resist, if we can put it up here on the screen. To withstand the force or effect of. Church, you got to stand your ground. Brothers and sisters, stand firm and resist the enemy 
Pray for them and keep building. Resist. Resist. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 28, verse 1. This is actually one of the scriptures that inspired Nina and I to name our newborn son, Lion. The verse says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. It's a great verse to memorize. Proverbs 28, verse 1. It says, the wicked will actually leave. The haters will actually stop hating. They will flee if you don't give them any feedback and energy. Can I give you the NLT translation? Can I? Okay, let me give you the NLT translation if we, if we have it in the slide deck. It says, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them. But the godly are as bold as lions. Again, I'm, I'm trying to help you because Christians, we, we, don't need to get, we don't need to get involved in the fiery back and forth stuff with the world. We don't. Hear me, like you don't need to get involved with the fiery back and forth hater argument stuff with the people at your job. You, you with me? You don't, it doesn't make you more righteous. In fact, nothing makes you more righteous than the blood of Jesus. Like you don't, you don't gain heaven points because you told somebody off in the name of Jesus at your job. You don't. Like I used to struggle with this on the court. I'd be yelling at the refs. They're like, yo, Hayden. I've never seen a ref change a call. <laughs> like, like dude, move on. Keep building. Next play. Next play. Tell yourself, all right, next play. I'm focused on the next play. I'm gonna get better in the next play. The, the wicked flee. Let me look at the ESV one more time. The, the wicked flee when no one pursues. You don't feel the need to, to, to pursue the enemy. Don't feel the need to pursue the hater except for pursuing God for the hater. The wicked flee when no one, but the righteous, the righteous, we, we are, Corinthians says, we are the righteousness of God in Christ, right? So when we put our faith in Christ, now we become, we, we're, we're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Does that make sense? Like outside of Jesus, you are not righteous, you're wicked, you're sinful. But when you put on Jesus, all of his righteousness becomes yours. That's the gospel. The great exchange, the great substitutionary atonement is when we put our faith in Jesus, we who were once not righteous are now considered right with God, righteous, right? The righteous are as bold as lions. Can I just give you just a quick thought that I had recently? Have you ever watched a lion? Like Nina and I, we took our boys to the San Diego Zoo this summer, past summer, and we were super excited to go to the lion habitat, all right? And I wanted to see a lion up close. Can I just tell you today that the lion habitat was not that awesome? You know why? Because them dudes were chilling. <laughs> there was like three lions in there, and they were lounging, they were laying down. They were unmoved. People everywhere looking at them. Like, it's me. Like, the lions are not giving us much at all. 
They're like yawning. One like smacks the other one. They're bored. You know, they're just chilling. And then one actually got up and crawled a little closer toward us and everybody got scared. (laughs) And then he just went back and laid down. That's all the line had to do. The righteous are as bold. Lions don't just randomly get up and start roaring. Christians, hear me on this. In a lot of ways, that needs to be us. I'm not tripping. I'm not going to allow the, the haters to get me too upset and out of my comfort zone. Lions don't do that. <laughs> Go watch lions. <laughs> They're not really concerned about us. They're not concerned about really any animal. <laughs> but in a moment, they know who they are. Christian, do you know who you are? You're a child of God. You don't have to be threatened by the world. You don't have to be scared of what another person thinks about you. You don't have to be insecure about anything. Lions are not insecure. Lions are bold. I think sometimes we can confuse boldness with loudness. Boldness doesn't mean loudness. Boldness means that I'm confident and I'm in control. And I don't even have to say a word, and here's why. Because the Lord will fight for me. Nehemiah had this confidence about him where he knew I'm gonna be all right because I know God called me to build this wall. God called me to do this work. It's not gonna be easy. It's gonna take effort and resources, but the same God who called me to it, the same God who will bring me through it, amen? Amen. Pray for him and keep building. Let's look at verse seven. When Samballot and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites, hey, haters be attracting haters, don't they? It's like, it started out with one, now there's like a whole group of haters. Jeez. Where'd the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdites even come from? When they heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. That's, that's really what the enemy wants to do, right? Just plot against you, cause confusion, disrupt the work. What does verse 9 say? Come on, say these three words with me. And, and we prayed. Nehemiah goes, I'm going to stick to the same playbook. I'm not switching up my strategy. Prayer is what got Nehemiah all the way to this place. You think he's going to change his direction now? Nehemiah says, so here's what we did. We prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. I love this right here. Let me go ahead and highlight this third part. It says, set a guard as protection against them day and night. Nehemiah says, I'm gonna, I'm not just gonna pray. I'm, gonna, I'm going to pray. It's nothing less than prayer. But he goes, I'm gonna set a guard. Can I give you the third point? The third point is this. Set some boundaries. Establish some healthy boundaries 
when it comes to how to deal with haters, how to respond with haters. Set your boundaries. It's okay to draw some lines. You know what I'm saying? Boundaries are a good thing. Nina and I always tell couples in marriage counseling that boundaries are our friends. Not our weapons, but our friends. As an athlete, as an athlete, you got to know what's inbounds and out of bounds, right? Like, if you want to stay in the game, don't go out of bounds. The lines are there. Hey, if you want to not get in an accident on the freeway, stay in your lines. Get off your phone, Hayden. For me. Right? Put that thing in the back. Can't even, don't get tempted with, hey, stay in the lines. Lines are key. If you don't want to fall off the stage, know the boundaries. Boundaries are our friends. And, and I just want to encourage you. It, be confident and comfortable with establishing boundaries where they need to be, especially when it comes to haters. I see this in Nehemiah's life, right? And we find it in verse 7. As he goes on, he says, okay, there's more people, there's more haters, there's more shade, there's more people that are angry at what we're doing. Nehemiah says, okay, I'm going to just set a boundary. He goes, I'm going to set up a guard as protection against them day and night. So Nehemiah says, I'm going to establish a guard, somebody who can help protect and defend the work that we're doing. I'm going to, I'm going to create a boundary. And so if you need to create a boundary, figure out how to do that and what you need to do in order to do that. Maybe you need to stop going to the same place where haters are hating. (laughs) Maybe you need to switch up a friendship and create a boundary. Maybe you, Pastor Mike, you were were sharing this with me just a little bit. We were talking about um, you're talking about before, even before Christ. So my life before I was in Christ looked one way. And then when I was in Christ, I had to set some boundaries. In fact, after work, you guys, I'm going to go home to my family. I, I'm actually not going to say what I want to say in me. I'm not going to do the things maybe that I want to do or I once did because I have boundaries. Boundaries on the front end will protect you on the back end. Because if you have those convictions, they'll guard you. I I once heard a pastor say, I've already made the decision before I had to make the decision. I've already made the decision. So when it came the time to make the decision, the decision was already made. Why? I had the boundary in place. I had the conviction in place. I think that all couples... Just have some healthy dialogue. Hey, let's, let's establish some boundaries together. With your kids, hey, kids, we're going to have some boundaries. With your parents, hey, parents, can we have some boundaries? <laughs> maybe, maybe present it like that. Maybe not demand the boundaries, but present them. Is there, can I have some boundaries here on this? I don't know. That's up to you guys. But I know that there's something special that Nehemiah does here. He, he, Nehemiah is strategic. He's not a pushover. 
He's not just gonna let anybody ruin the work that they're doing. He's gonna pray about it. He's gonna keep the work going and he's gonna establish some boundaries. We're getting short on time. We gotta move, we gotta move fast, all right? Let's keep on reading in the text. Okay, here we go, here we go. It says, and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and we prayed to our God. Verse 10, in Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. Verse 12. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us 10 times, you must return to us. Dang, how about the Jews were like, Nehemiah, stop. The intensity, 10 different times? They were trying to stop the work. Sometimes you gotta let some people go that aren't going with you, you know? It's like, hey, if you're not running at the same pace, I can't keep slowing down. You need to catch up. Or I'll see you, I'll see you on Easter. <laughs> Let's keep going. I gotta keep running. I gotta keep doing the work. Like sometimes I see people that like. They're like, hey, I, wanna, I, I brought my friend to church. And then that person who brought them doesn't come back, but the friend keeps coming. <laughs> I love that. It's like, ah, I don't know what happened to them. I'm glad they brought me, but I'm, a, I'm not going to stop running the race. I'm not, I'm not here because of anybody else. I'm here because I want him. Amen. I'm growing deep. I got something to work on. I'm working on my game. I'm working on my game. He continues here at the time. Verse 13, so in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall and open places, I stationed the people by their, by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Say these three words with me. Say, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I love this right here. Let me go ahead and highlight this phrase and we'll get ready to close. Nehemiah says, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Why? Because the Lord's great and awesome. The Lord will fight for us. The Lord will be our motivation. The Lord will be our confidence. The Lord himself, the Lord, the righteous judge, the Lord, the one who's strong in battle. The Lord who came and lived and died and rose and is coming again. The Lord who's here in this place. The Lord who's never lost a battle. Amen. Amen. That same God, that same God is going to do it again. Here's what Nehemiah says. We should have had a full clap there. Sorry, I cut you off. Let's try it again. Come on, the same guy. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Here's what Nehemiah says. Walk church. Hear me. We have to do a better job remembering him. Don't go to the flesh. The flesh won't be there to help. Don't, don't go to the world because the world will give you worldly wisdom. Don't go to the devil. <laughs> Because the devil would love to destroy and thwart the plans of God. Let me tell you, that don't, don't go to anybody before you go to him. 
Remember the Lord. Hey, the more you start remembering, the more you'll, you'll be like, hey, actually, I was going to call you. I didn't even need to call you because I just remembered the Lord. I was good. Our worship team is going to come up and get ready to lead us into a, a time of response. And I, I want us to respond in, in, in a time of worship. And what I want us to do is I, I want us to just do that. I want us to remember God. One of the things I love about the Bible is the Bible is an, always an on-time word. Amen. I, I want to encourage you even this week, consider, to, consider memorizing a scripture. Something that's helped me in this task of remembering the Lord has been simply just remembering the word. Because God is the word, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And the word was with God, and the word put on flesh and became a person. Jesus and the word. Jesus is the word embodied. When you remember the word, you remember God. Get some of this downloaded into you. Pick a verse, pick a verse, pick a verse. Could be one of the ones I preached on here. Hey, maybe you, might, maybe you want to memorize 14. I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Dot, dot, dot. You know, I'm not going to memorize the whole thing, but you know, maybe you might say, I'm going to memorize the first part. Pick a verse and start remembering the word of God. I remember one theologian, I'm blanking on his name right now, once said, scripture memory has become my greatest friend. Process that for a second. So it went over your head. He says, scripture memory has become my greatest friend. Here's what he meant by that. If I got the word in here and the word in here, I can talk to God all day long and he'll talk back. If you have scripture memorized, you can actually have a conversation with God and the word will be a friend to you and speak to you in very real time. There's been many times where I've had to just say, you know what? Um, my, my thoughts are crazy. My mind is battling, I feel, and I'll just start quoting scripture. Don't, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, and then you will taste and see what the will of the Lord is, which is good and pleasing. And for, all, all of a sudden, I forgot about what was distracting me. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, new minds. You start quoting scripture to you, it's going to take discipline. I've been working on discipline even in this month. I started, I said, okay, let me find a verse that has to do with discipline. Let me memorize it. Proverbs 12, verse one. He who loves discipline loves knowledge. I'm just quoting that over and over. I can quote songs, but songs don't really help me all the time. The word does. The word's a sharp two-edged sword that helps us remember the Lord, amen? Let me get the four points on the screen. We're gonna, we're gonna close. Thank you. Um, here's what we're doing. How do you respond to haters? Pray for them. Keep building. Set your boundaries. Remember the Lord. Good playbook from Nehemiah on how to deal with haters. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you that we get a chance to remember you in this moment.
Thank you that we remember Jesus. We remember the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you that Jesus had all the persecution in the world, literally. But he didn't stop building. He didn't stop walking, talking, healing, leading. Thank you that Jesus ultimately would go to the cross and die for our sins. Thank you that Jesus would ultimately rise from the grave. Thank you that Jesus would shed his blood for the remission of our sins. And the blood speaks a better word. The blood speaks a word of forgiveness and healing. So regardless of what the devil may cheer at you today, today we find our hope and confidence in the Lord. Thank you for the time of communion, remembering the Lord, remembering the cross, remembering the blood, examining our lives. Today, if you need to get saved, if you need to put your faith in Jesus, right now I call you to take that step. I call you to it. This is the word for you. This, This is the moment. This is the awakening moment for you to say, I'm no longer the same. I have faith in the Lord who loved me and saved me. I'll follow him all my days. Just pray with me right now. Just say, Jesus, I believe. Not in myself, but in you. I trust you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I turn from my sins, and I turn to you, Lord. Forgive me and empower me do your will. Thank you for loving me first. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm ready now. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Come on. Thank you, Jesus.